Welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Asher, CEO of LearnCube. And I'm Herbert Gozer, founder of Learn Media. Now, today we're going to do something a bit different. We're going to be thinking about how do you successfully market a large language business? Mm. And with us, not only does Herbert have a lot of experience himself, but we've also brought in one of our both friends and, and somebody I really admire from a professional basis, Corinne Algie, who's going to be talking more about branding, the content side of things, and some of the other areas that was really going to complement Herbert's real understanding of paid advertising. So to kick us off, thanks very much for joining us, Corinne. Hi, Corinne. Thank you. Now, it's probably best at this point to go through a little bit of an introduction to Corinne. Corinne, could you just tell us a little bit more about your background as well so that people can understand where you're coming from? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been involved in international education my entire professional life. I was first job out of university was as a student recruitment agent. After that, I worked for a number of both public and private schools and language institutes before ending up in Germany, where I worked for ISAF for eight years as their marketing director. You know a thing or two. (laughs) I know just one or two. Oh, and I was an exchange student once upon a time. So I have the international student experience as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. And also, Herbert, look, people should remind themselves of your experience as well, because I think having both of you here is great because I think you offer, you come from different angles. Absolutely. I've also been in the language education sector for a while. I started off as a business English teacher and then worked my way up to sales and marketing for a corporate language school. And then three and a half years ago, around about, I started my digital marketing agency specialized in paid advertising for the education industry. Amazing. Now, we are going to be talking about really some strategies about how to market a large language business successfully, particularly also even if you're listening in and you're kind of not quite at that stage, but you're kind of growing there, I think you're going to learn a lot about how how how, how different budgets and different resources can lead to, to quite different ways of approaching marketing. And so I'll let's start off with kind of maybe just understanding in your experience, either Herbert or Corinne. You know, how do how do larger businesses think sort of differently about marketing compared to say smaller businesses with smaller budgets? Yeah, I think one of the the biggest differences that I find is that larger language schools are able to segment their markets a lot more. They're able to really drill down and have these really specific strategies for specific countries or courses or age groups, whatever they decide is important to them. Whereas smaller schools, although there might be some segmentation, they're just not, they don't have the resources to really Mm. bring that down to the same level as larger schools do. How about you, Herbert? Have you found a similar kind of experience? Yeah, I would say basically the same thing, you know, as with a with a lower budget, also there is of course more more pressure to uh, to to make sure that budget is spent wisely and that we're getting you know a return on investment. Whereas, at least with our experience with larger institutions and schools, there is an element there as well of kind of brand awareness and making sure that we keep top of mind with our prospective students. And also there's more room for testing as well. And you can gather data and feedback much quicker, of course, if you have a larger budget. And so, yeah, those are kind of the two sides of the coin, so to say. 
I think your point on branding is a really interesting one. You know, LearnCube's not a not a huge business, and so it kind of resonates with me. But I, I kind of when we when you hear of branding, it, it's almost become a bit of a dirty word for for small businesses because it's sort of seen as maybe kind of going after vanity kind of metrics or mm. it's too fluffy and it, it's not kind of get you any result. But I think that's missing a huge trick as well. I mean, I think. Funnily enough, I think LearnQ does some some good things in terms of its branding and positioning, but equally, we don't really think about it. But large businesses think really, really deeply about their brand because, and actually, Corinne, I think you were telling me about, you know, when you when you get it right, you kind of create this this huge engine that just kind of exactly. self propels. Exactly. That a small business doesn't quite feel if they don't have that branding in place because there's nothing really moving. The, exactly. the business along so tell me a little bit about that Corinne because I, I, um, I that for me is yeah I, I think one thing that is often sort of misunderstood perhaps by some sort of smaller or newer language schools that perhaps don't have the large sort of corporate think tank behind them is that branding doesn't necessarily mean how many followers you have or how many you know what whether you have the right colors or, an, or a nice logo branding really is about communicating your brand values, what your mission is, what, you know, these real sort of strategic, what makes your company, you know, what's the essence of your company. So it's not actually about, you know, followers or colors or logos. It's really about communicating those values. And I think that a lot, so a large language school that I've worked with now for over four years, one of the things that I found with them is that they don't actually do a lot of marketing, like marketing activities anymore. They do some, but not as much as you would expect for mm. a school of their size. And that's mainly because they've worked so hard to create this brand that it's, they've just got inertia. It just keeps rolling over. People know the brand. They're comfortable with the brand. They've seen all of these cool things that they do. They see that the whole company and the students are sort of living this sort of value and value proposition and mission of the school. And it's just like the snowball. People just keep jumping on. Yeah. So in the end, you know, you put in the groundwork and it really does pay off as, you know, as your business matures. I can almost think of something like, again, with certain size, that kind of makes a, a lot of sense. Partly also the referral engine. Like if you think about marketing is mm. not always at the front end, it can often be out the door like what is happening in that referral engine so as, yeah, as getting well, all of that, also, that that vibe and yeah. uh, and if all of the the visuals that people see about the brand kind of resonate from Absolutely. ah this person told me about this company yeah um, but even from the perspective of reading reviews on google so if you're a small school and you have say 100 reviews and you've got three or four bad ones well, they stick out like a sore thumb. If you're a larger business and you have thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of reviews, I think they have over 40,000 reviews and a sprinkling of them, like our unhappy students, it doesn't have the impact. They're just not seen as much as it does, you know, in it for a smaller, for a smaller business or school. It, it already tells us one thing as well as possibly, you know, with your brand, there are ways you can measure that, right? Like reviews are possibly one of those yeah. key ideas and possibly requires its own marketing strategy about that. Like Absolutely. It, absolutely. Yeah. I don't yeah. think that's really kind of seen or kind of 
you know, people just want perfect reviews. I think that the smaller the business, but those larger businesses more like, how can we use reviews to get better visibility? Absolutely. And there's so many things they do. They have strategies in place, which ensure that every single comment is, you know, responded to that, you know, in those responses, they're sneaking in, you know, references to specific courses, to their program names, to, you know, all of these keywords, they're maximizing those reviews to their absolute, you know, to the nth degree to make them work for them. And I think smaller language schools should definitely adopt those principles as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, Corinne, we've actually done an episode on this previously. So make sure you check out one of our Get More Students podcast episodes is actually on making testimonials work for you. So it just reminded me there, Corinne, that a great point. So we've talked a little bit about, again, some of the attributes of branding, but maybe can can we go dig into that a little bit more and remind ourselves of what a brand means and what are the attributes or aspects of a, what a company can do that can really boost that brand recognition when, when I think of branding you know what is the feeling that that brand conveys when when you think about you know, this language school or this product or you know coca-cola for example what, what what do you feel when when you hear that or when you see it and so that can come across through a lot of ways. I mean, the, the, your website, of course, is, is the first thing you, you, usually people see, or even a piece of organic social media on Instagram, yeah. Facebook, on TikTok, on YouTube. And so all of those kind of touch points need to be aligned with those core values in your mis- mission statement, etc. Of course, when it comes to paid advertising, the same thing. So it's very important that all of those communication channels are aligned with that same vision. You've absolutely hit the nail on the head, Herbert. I would have said exactly the same thing. So whatever you do, whatever you put out there really has to reinforce, support and align with whatever your values and mission are as a school. Because, you know, particularly online, internet users are so astute. They will sniff out something inauthentic Mm -hmm. in about two seconds flat. So it's really important that you have this alignment and also the buy-in of you know, your, you know, the people who are producing this content, it can't just be, you know, content that's thrown together. It has to be someone who understands and believes as well in the mission in order for that to come across in an authentic way. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that your content needs to be boring. You know, when we say no, you know, not at mission all. value and it, it's very, it's very corporate, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are on a platform like TikTok, you need to be a little more playful you need to capture some trends but it has to fit in of course with with your your business exactly and that that's that's an area that i've been jumping into a lot recently is tiktok mm, and how sure. that applies how people you know how we can stay true to our brand but at the same time embracing trends and embracing yes. you know the the craziness that is TikTok, oh, like yes. how does it actually fit together? <laughs> Can we marry them together in, a, in, the, and, you yeah. know, in the right way? And a lot of brands, especially big ones, are sometimes afraid of, of, of being too playful or being too funny. Yeah, exactly. Very interesting. So already kind of your one of the key strategies is everything that gets pushed out the door is what's the feeling my kind of my my ideal prospects should be feeling when they see this and is that aligned with what I really want but you probably you probably could explain that a bit better than me or is there a question that they could just almost like a bit of a, a litmus test every time they push something out the door 
Oh, that's a really good question. I think that, you know, if we're looking at it in a global sense, like every, you know, we're looking at teachers, we're looking at staff, we're looking at, you know, management, everyone. I think what you'll find is 100% of the time, these larger schools and businesses in general will have like a brand guideline, which actually spells out what the feeling is, what, you know, these kinds of aspects. But at the same time as well, it talks about how we should, how someone should be presenting the school, what kind of language and, and this kind of thing. And I think that smaller schools and smaller businesses should absolutely adopt this kind of thing because that gives you sort of a, a a benchmark. So any email that leaves, you know, they know that, you know, there's an expectation for certain type of language or certain, you know, that their signatures all match. You know, I've dealt with schools where I've had three different emails from three different people and they've each had a different signature. Mm-hmm. And Although, you know, a lot of the time students or or potential students won't ever come in contact with that at a professional level, it's it's just immediately, it's a visual. It's Mm. so, it sticks out. So, yeah, I think that something that's really important is just making sure that the branding is aligned and that is across everyone, not just everybody in the C-suite, everyone Mm. right down to, you know, teachers in the classroom. It all has to match up. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if we sort of dig into that. Part of it is because if students and consumers these days are so good at sort of sniffing a brand in a way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or the things that are both said and unsaid matter just as much. So when everything is exactly the same, it's sort of suggesting I've got a system, I've got a business that can ensure that everything is aligned and and kind of, yeah. it's a different level of trust, right? Like it, it exactly. inherently tells me this. this is a very... You say professional, but what does professional mean? It's sort of being consistent and diligent and conscientious yeah. about things. Yeah. Very good point. Processes in place. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was a really great way of framing, understanding the branding and how important that is for a large business. Let's talk a little bit more about what you first said, Corinne, which was about different markets deserve a different strategy. And Absolutely. You can, you can afford and should and must do that as a larger business. Tell me why. Well, Every market has its very different, unique way of responding to mm. to marketing. So what may be appropriate to a South American market, to Brazil, for example, because within South America, there's even you know huge differences. What might be appropriate to Brazil is certainly not going to be the same sort of messaging that might work in Taiwan or in Japan or you know anywhere else. So segmenting down and really separating these out and you know, smaller schools might turn around and say, okay, well, South America, we're going to deal with South America as a unit. But as I just mentioned, there's wild differences culturally, linguistically, you know, most of the South America and most of South America speak Spanish. But even within that, the way certain phrases are understood can be massively different. So, I mean, it's really having that sensitivity, doing the research, doing the groundwork and really looking into who you want to target and then looking very specifically where that audience is. I think that's really important because, you know, I've had in the last two years, so many people tell me, oh, Facebook is dead. Well, that may be, there may be some truth in that for English speaking markets, but for non-English speaking markets, Facebook is very much still alive. Mm. So 
I mean, it's really having that time, the budget, the space, the human resources to really dive in and work out exactly who you're marketing to and segmenting that out. A lot of larger schools and even smaller schools will have a specific salesperson for different markets. So why wouldn't you have a marketing person for those separate markets as well? Like surely the fact that you sell to them in different ways is an indication that you must also market and approach them in different ways as well. I think that was really powerful. One of the things that you sort of touched on, I'm wondering if this is the, a good way of thinking about it, is that um, sort of everything has that sort of diminishing marginal returns. Like the more you do something, it's mm. it works really well at the beginning and then it kind of gradually gets less and less effective. And with a small business, you have a small budget. And so that kind of, you kind of get to the top of that and, and mm. then you've got no more budget. So you don't kind of waste money. But with larger businesses, if you kind of spent all of that money on the exact same channel, it wouldn't work. And so in the same way, you're kind of talking and thinking about, hey, I can get the, the max I'm going to get out of this channel is going to be X. And I need all enough of these channels to reach a certain number for my business to, to continue thriving or growing. So is that a way to think about things, Corinna? I would say so. And I think that's something that's really important that goes along with that is being is being able to pivot, to not get to the point where you have driven a, a strategy so far and you've invested so much of you know both money, time, resources into that strategy that you get to the point where you think, I have to keep writing this out. So you you may see that maybe you know maybe the scales are starting to tip. Maybe it's not quite in line with with what you originally had hoped. And you know sometimes you come across you know marketing people that just are not able to to pivot, not able to give that up and go in a different direction because of perhaps it's pride, perhaps they've overpromised something, perhaps they absolutely believe that the market is going to swing back in their favor. But I think that, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. And that has to combine with somebody with being willing to be, to, to be flexible, to rethink, to, to not form emotional attachments with business strategies. I think that's a pretty powerful thing to, to think on is like, how do you emotionally detach from your own strategies? Do you have any thoughts and ideas of that because you know you're coming oh. from an outside of sector you're like hey why are we still doing this yeah but those companies might be like of course we've been doing it since forever it, it works of course it does because <laughs> look across... how many people we've got coming in the door but Absolutely. that may not be yeah, we come across correlated. that all the time because it's always easier for us especially i'm sure herbert you see this as well as an external consultant to come in and just <laughs> immediately see you know the holes or the you know the mm. flashing warning lights or whatever it is because we we don't we haven't invested all that time in a particular strategy and we haven't poured our hearts and souls into driving you know a particular campaign or project and i think it's just one of those things where if you have a a what do you call it a like a review process in place and i'm not talking about reviewing just at the end of a campaign or a project but actually have steps and you know certain markers in place where you okay Six months into this project, we're going to we're going to evaluate what we've done and where we're going, and just keep the having these conversations, having these meetings, reflecting at sort of different time points. That gives you sort of more of a a balanced 
kind of, you know, you are able to reflect because you have said, I'm going to reflect, make sure that whoever, make sure you're reporting these changes to somebody because then you're accountable and, and do it that way because then you kind of break that I've emotionally invested one year of my time and stress and, and tears and whatever else into making the strategy. Then it's sort of you're reminding yourself that, hey, this is, you know, precisely that. This is business. Hmm. Is a part of that before you even start coming up with some sort of almost both milestones slash breakpoints, right? Yeah. So it's like if I'm, yeah, what do you think of that, Corinne? Absolutely. I, I do that myself. You know, I'm not a large business by any stretch of the imagination, but I, whenever I get into anything, I will set myself certain benchmarks, certain targets, certain breakpoints, and also, you know, time limits for evaluating whether something should be continued or changed. Excellent. I think, I imagine it's the same for you, Herbert, with cost of acquisition, right? Absolutely. Especially when we're dealing with larger ad budgets, you know, multiple mm. five figures, we have to be on the ball. We have to continually test and make experiments to see which ad creative audience, which yeah. offer is working best because we don't want to uh, waste money. And, and we sometimes have to have to pivot. Maybe we choose a different channel, you know, go from Facebook to TikTok or to Google. So yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly the, the same process, uh, especially when we're talking about higher budgets. One of the things you mentioned before, Corinne, was experiments, but also experimenting with different channels and different markets respond extremely differently. Like we've talked a lot Absolutely. about digital strategies, but that's not the only way to market a no. product or a service. No, absolutely not. And I think that we get so invested or so bogged down with this whole digital, 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 whether it's our website or, or ads or in social media, both organic and paid, that we sometimes forget that some of our markets may actually be, you know, on other channels. And, you know, when, especially when we're talking about social media, there's a lot of schools on social media. I, you know, the mind boggles at how many are on there now. So there is a lot of, there's a lot of, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of sort of similar content to swim through. So why not, you know, reflect on on where your market may be? You know, there's other channels that we that used to be the key channels, which are now sort of the poor cousins. Why not evaluate whether radio is a good option? Why not evaluate whether, you know, creating a TV commercial might work in some markets? Mm -hmm. There's lots of different things that you can still do that are, you know, offline or more traditional marketing and advertising, which do still have an impact, especially if you can, you know, pair that, pair that up with some really good research into what your market is responding to. I just think that competition factor, right? Like already you're probably only going to be competing with other possibly large language businesses. And often it's more you're competing with other kind of products of attention, right? Like I'm walking down, like, what am I seeing? It's like deodorant brand, <laughs> raspberry brand, and then what language brand? Like that's it's such mm. a different experience. Whereas on social media, I might've been overly targeted by mm -hmm. the, the 300 different language businesses that might be around me, sort of a mm -hmm. totally different experience. And as you say, you're kind of tapping into maybe different cultural norms there, which I thought was really important. Exactly. I think I mentioned I mentioned to you a little bit earlier on about the a client of mine that actually made a TV commercial that ran in the middle of football games. 
So every time there was a break in play and a, you know, it cut to commercial, their ad for their language school was there because the football watching audience was, you know, a prime target age group and demographic for what they wanted to achieve. One of the last things that you you sort of you actually indicated a little bit earlier in our conversation today, but I thought was really fundamental, which was getting as a large business. Well, you have to get the whole team behind marketing as well. It's not just left up to the marketers. There's a there's a fundamental synergy there. Can you talk a little bit more about what you've seen work and 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 maybe how you've seen it work in terms of does it need to come from the top? Does it come bottom up? Like how do you how do you Absolutely. make that work? Now, I think, you know, when we're talking about marketing strategies and particularly when we're talking about branding as well, when you really need the buy-in of your whole team for it to be really successful, for it to really be sort of a a strong, well-oiled machine, then everybody needs to be on board. And, you know, that doesn't have to be really difficult and it doesn't have to take a ton of time. It could be as easy as once a quarter, sitting down, having a whole team meeting could even be on Zoom, but (laughs) getting the whole team together and explaining what the goals are for the next, for the next, you know, quarter, you know, what worked well in the last quarter, a quarter, you know, telling them, you know, thanking them. Thank you all for, for being part of this, making them part of the actual, you know, of saying part of the team is, 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 (laughs) is quite literal, but actually having them buy in and making them feel like they are part of what you are trying to achieve really goes a long way into making sure that marketing strategies and branding strategies do actually work. You want a team where they feel like they have been part of the process and therefore they share in that success that not only makes the workplace a heck of a lot, you know, happier, mm. more productive, but it also just means that everybody is really living your brand values, your mission, your goals. And I think that that is extremely powerful. And I've seen that done, you know, really well, just through simple team meetings and just having this open communication and making sure that everybody understands where, you know, where you're sailing the ship next. Yeah. So I think that that is really very important. And I don't, you know, I've had people ask, oh, can I do this in an email? Well, you can, but then you remove the human aspect. And that is the key here is building those bonds with the entire team. And it doesn't mean that you have to physically shake hands with every person on staff, but it does mean that you create an environment where they feel heard, where they feel supported, where they can ask honest questions and they also get answers to these questions and are not made to feel belittled because they don't understand some big corporate term. So I think that that is, you know, crucially important to having a really successful, especially a large business, a really successful large school is just having this buy-in and having everybody happy and proud to be part of, of the of, of the school. I think it sort of goes back to that kind of concept of it's very easy for people to go, yeah, I'm part of a team, but this is my part of that team. Rather than I think what you've really indicated was how the growth of the business is, is powered by every single member and every single member has more than just their particular role hat on. Like they have also the business company hat on. And if you can really draw people into that vision, then 
you know, know, sales you and really bring on so many more people with the ride. Yeah. And, you know, sales and marketing might be might be recruiting students, but if they get to the classroom and the teacher isn't, mm. you know, an embodiment of those things that they have been promised, then, you know, that student isn't going to stick around. Then they're not going to extend their stay. They're not going to tell their friends, their cousins, their, you know, workmates when they go back home what a great experience they had. So, you know, this is a way just to of making sure that you that the work that you're doing in sales and marketing and branding even is, you know, being is being presented to the to the end, you know, to the end goal, to the students, the, the people that you've worked so hard to get in the door. Yeah. You know, they need to have that that experience that they've been promised. I think that's a great place to to finish our conversation. <laughs> I really want to thank those, particularly Corinne and Herbert, for joining us. Well, let me start with you, Corinne, though. I'd love to send people your way in terms of what are the kinds of businesses that you help and how do you help them? Absolutely. Well, I work with schools of all levels, from language schools to universities, service providers, and also education agents. So anyone involved in international ed is welcome to contact me. And what we do is a lot of organic digital uh, marketing. So that's not the paid stuff. It's everything else that comes before that. So whether it's Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, you name it, I can help you out. If you want to get in touch with me, you can do so either by searching for me on LinkedIn. So just Corinne Algy, or you can find me on Instagram and that is at K-A-I-E underscore marketing. Right. And actually on that point, those that are needing help with paid advertising, how can you help them, Herbert? Sure, sure. So once you have a very solid foundation with Corinne, with your organic socials, then you know, we help education brands really amplify the front end to bring more traffic to their courses and programs. And so they can find out more about us on Learn Media. That's L-U-R-N media.com. And if you're looking to scale your business and really streamline your operations with a virtual classroom made for language education, you can check out LearnCube at www.learncube.com. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening in. If you're listening in for the Get More Students podcast, really please hit that subscribe button. We really appreciate your support and listening in, and we hope we can find and provide more value for you in the future. Thanks again from all of us here.